As I said, this weekend, we're taking a journey through the Scripture, a journey through the Bible to trace the journey of Jesus. As He moved through this Passion Week, these last few days up to the cross, the Easter weekend is a time that we come together to remind ourselves about the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. Of course, we do that ever so often in our communion service, which is the designated um, thing to do to remember Him. But Easter, uh, no matter what uh, background you think it came from, it's not a bad thing to remind us of our Lord Jesus. In fact, the whole world. In fact, yesterday, Prime Minister Lee, he himself mentioned about the Good Friday suffering and sacrifice of Christ, which is amazing. So let us take time as Christians to remind ourselves about who our Lord is. Today is called in Latin, Sabbatum Sanctum. Sabbatum Sanctum. And this is used in uh, the World Catholic Church, not the Roman Catholic, but the World Catholic Church. World means Catholic anyway, uh, for the longest time. Uh, to, to translate it to English, Sabbatum Sanctum. Sabbatum, it would be amazed, is the Latin word for Saturday. So it baffles me that people still argue which day is the Sabbath. It's Saturday. From Yon's back, language which itself tells us which day it is. In fact, Latin is not the only language that uses the word that's so closely related to the word Sabbath. Many, many, many languages, unrelated languages, uh, use a word that sounds so similar to the word Sabbath as the word for Saturday. And sanctum is Related to the word for sanctuary, which is holy. So these two words actually means Holy Saturday. In fact, I told you that yesterday, uh, the traditional word for it is not called Good Friday. It's called the Friday in preparation of Sabbath. And I told you that that term, Sabbath, uh, Friday in preparation for Sabbath, was used by the world all churches, Catholic, Protestant, Eastern Orthodox, to up to the year 1955. Sounds familiar? 1955. That's when Singapore became independent. It was used up to that point as the Friday in preparation for the Sabbath, and today it's called Sabbatum Sanctum, Holy Saturday, Sabbath. So in this rest day, let us come before our Lord as we journey to the cross. As you can look, uh, if you'd like to read along with me the words on the screen, um, I'd like to start from reading from the book of Mark, chapter 14. From the book of Mark, chapter 14. If you can, the book of Mark, chapter 14, verse 12. I'm going to read... Chapter 14, verse, sorry, not verse 12, verse 22 to 25. And as they were eating, he took bread, and after blessing it, broke it and gave it to them and said, Take, this is my body. And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, and they all drank of it. And he said to them, this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many. 
Truly I say to you, I will not drink again of the fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new in the kingdom of God. Some of you were commenting on how big my communion bread last night was and how big my, my mug of the grape juice was. But if you read the story, like Jesus was at the dining table. He didn't cut little cubes of communion bread for his disciples. They took bread and they broke it. Mine was small, probably compared to what Jesus did, used. There was uh, 13 of them. And to break it to 13 parts. So mine was considered small. And if you look uh, scripturally, it says he took a cup, he gave thanks. And that same cup, not very COVID-19 friendly, was shared among all 13 of them. You know, it's a sign of uh, communion, of participation, of coming together as a community. See, Jesus didn't do this because it was symbolic for us. First of all, he did this because this was going to be his last meal with the people that he can choose to spend it with. And he chose to spend it with his beloved disciples, the people he loved the most. See, Jesus is human. He's 100% God, but he's 100% human too. And he wanted to be among people he liked, among people he knows, among people he, he's comfortable with. So before he has to go down that, that path of suffering, he chose to find comfort and seek solace with the people he appreciated the most, his disciples. Of course, he saw into the future the need for them to become apostles, to, to be the missionaries. But at that moment, I believe there's also part of him who really wanted to just spend time with them. They broke bread, they ate, he washed their feet. Imagine you are there in the upper room, seeing your Lord for the last time. You see him pass the bread into your hand. And as you eat of it, what are your thoughts? What were your thoughts as you ate the communion bread yesterday evening together with me? Jesus said, this is my body. You're now participating in this body of Christ. See, no Christians are called to be singular entity. Nobody can be a Christian, in fact, by yourself. And there's no Christian if you join a vague unknown worldwide Christian church. There's no such thing. In the scripture, being part of the church is being Christian. Being Christian is being part of a church, a known group of people. You cannot be baptized into a vague unknown Christianity, into the church of God. Church of God is shown and expressed in the local expression. And for us, it's as that. And for Jesus, it was with his 12 disciples. So he spent that time in community with them, broke bread, shared the cup. I'm going to keep on reading in verse 20, 26 to 42. At the dining table, and when they had sung a hymn, went out to the Mount of Olives. So actually they sang together. They sang together as a hymn. And Jesus said to them, you will all fall away. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. But after I am raised up, I will go before you to Galilee. 
Peter said to them, even though they all fall away, I will not. And Jesus said to him, Truly, I tell you, this very night, before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times. But he said emphatically, If I must die with you, I will not deny you. And they all said the same. And they went to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to his disciples, sit here while I pray. And he took with him Peter and James and John and began to be greatly distressed and troubled. And he said to them, my soul is very sorrowful even to death. Remain here and watch. Remain here and watch. And going a little farther, he fell on the ground and prayed that if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. And he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. And he came and found them sleeping. And he said to Peter, Simon, are you sleeping? Could you not watch one hour? Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. And again, he went away and prayed, saying the same words. And again, he came and found them sleeping, for their eyes were very heavy. And they did not know what to answer him. And he came a third time and said to them, Are you still sleeping and taking a rest? It is enough. The hour has come. The Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise. Let us go. You know, Jesus was there at the dinner table. Jesus was there eating with his disciples, looking at each of them. You know, on the last night, the night of his betrayal, as it's called traditionally, wasn't just Judas that betrayed Jesus. All of them did. Jesus took who he trusted the most. See, even Jesus had people who he's closer to and people he was not so close with. That's okay. Even in the church, it's not bias, it's just natural human instinct. He took Peter, James, and John to the inner part of the Gethsemane. The rest, he said, sit here and pray. Peter, James, and John, you pray for me, please. And they were so close that they could hear the prayer of Jesus. Jesus was in anguish, in sorrow. Imagine that you're Peter, James, or John. You see your master, the God who came to earth, who has performed miracles with authority, has rode into Jerusalem with people waving palm leaves in the air. Just a few days ago, 
now sorrowful for the first time. You're seeing your God, your Lord, your Rabbi there. Suffering. And he says, pray for me. Did you hear that? Even Jesus needs people to pray for him. Even Jesus needs prayer. How about you? Are you in need of prayer? Do you think you are okay? Jesus needed prayer. But unfortunately, the disciples were not able to do that for him. The disciples fell asleep. Picture the loneliness, the desperation, the sorrow. Not just once. He went and says, wake up. Could you please pray for me? I need your support. Three times, three times they fell asleep. Jesus understands our loneliness. Jesus understands us in a time where we're in need, alone, isolated. He understands. He's been there. But Jesus is not like the disciples. He will not fall asleep. He's awake. He's alive. He's by your side. But picture yourself seeing your Lord right there, praying in sorrow. And in another gospel, it says that he was praying so hard, he was sweating blood. And I asked my doctor friend, is that even possible? Is that real? Can we sweat blood? And he says, yes, but it's very, very rare. It's when somebody is under intense stress that probably the blood vessel the, 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 the just below the skin burst and the pressure was so hard, such intensity that the blood and the sweat came out together, that his skin was broken. So much anguish. His heart was already at the verge of breaking, literally. There was Jesus' last moment of need. And then if you listen to his prayer in Gethsemane, in his prayer in Gethsemane, he prays, God, I need you. God, Father, I need you. He says, if you can, and Father, you can do all things. Take this cup away. Jesus was praying and pleading. But then he submitted. He said, Lord, but I know why I'm here. Lord, I know that I'm here for humanity, for you and for me. He realized, he was reminded by the Spirit. And he says, Lord, then not my will, for yours be done. Not my will, Father, for yours be done. And he accepted and submitted to his duty, 
driven by love to walk to the cross. And now I want to read verse chapter 15, verse 17 to 20. After the walk, after being before Pilate, after carrying the heavy cross, right there. And they clothed him in a purple cloak and twisting together a crown of thorns. They put it on him and they began to salute him. Hail, King of the Jews! And they were striking his head with a reed and spitting on him and kneeling down in homage to him. And when they had mocked him, they stripped him of the purple cloak, put his own clothes on him, and they let him out to crucify him. Our Lord, our God, who came to save us, was ridiculed, spit upon, struck by the very ones he comes to say, he came to say. You know, if you put it in today's term, imagine if, if a person lived like Jesus, uh, just a regular human, not even Jesus, son of God, who, who invented the cure to cancer, to AIDS, to coronavirus. And then you hear the news, you read in the news that the patient he cured came and insulted him and, and spit on him. You'd be angry. I mean, how could these people do that? He cured you. He found the cure to your suffering, to your cancer, to your AIDS, to your coronavirus, COVID-19, and you, you spit on him? And you strike him and you, you mock him? But that's just exactly what we did to our Lord. That's just exactly what you and I did to Jesus. And they brought him out to a place, verse 22, called Golgotha, which means place of skull. And they offered him wine mixed with myrrh. It's, it's a, a, a numbing kind of drink, medicated drink. He did not take it. And I think Mark, which is writing the story, hearing from Peter most likely, he couldn't write too much about this part because I think he was ashamed of where he was. And they crucified him and divided his garments among them, casting lots for them to decide what each should take. And it was the third hour, and they crucified him. And the inscription of the charge against him read, King of the Jews. And with him, they crucified two robbers, one on his right and on his left. And those who passed by derided him, wagging their heads and saying, Aha! You who destroyed the temple and rebuilt it in three days. Save yourself. 
come down from the cross. And also the chief priests with the scribes mocked him to one another saying, he saved others. He cannot save himself. Let the Christ, the King of Israel, come down from the cross that we may see and believe those who were crucified with him also reviled him. And when the sixth hour had come, he's been on a cross for three hours. There was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour. In the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabatani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And some of the bystanders hearing it said, Behold, he's calling to Elijah. They did not even recognize God at this point. And someone ran and filled a sponge with sour wine, put it on a reed and gave it to him to drink, saying, Wait, let us see whether Elijah will come and to take him down. And Jesus uttered a loud cry and breathed his last. And the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. And when the centurion who stood facing him saw that in this way he breathed his last, he said, Truly, this man was the Son of God. I would like to ask you to consider the very last moment of Christ on the cross. Why did he have to die? Ask yourself, why did he have to die? And oftentimes the pity we feel will be humanity's pity for somebody who is suffering. But I remind you that this is not just a human, although he's 100% human, this is also God. Our God died for you and me. Our God died not to leave us hopeless, not to leave us alone, not to leave us orphans, but He died to redeem you and me from our life of sin. You'd be like, I'm, I'm no sinner. I would like to ask you to reflect upon that question. Are you a sinner? In the biblical sense, not just someone who's done bad things. Jesus died for you and me. But you know what? He did not remain dead. Our God rested on Sabbath, but He resurrected the next day. Christianity is not a religion that's worshipping a dead God. Christianity is a religion that worships a God who's living and alive and is trying His utmost best to communicate Himself to us. I'll share a story from yesterday. You know, yesterday as I was getting ready to do our virtual communion, I was holding Lucas, just trying to be real about what happened. Before I went live, Lucas was not very happy, you know. Uh, in fact, he's, he's watching now. You know, I'm talking about him. He was not very happy. He, he, was, he was grumpy. I think he was tired. He didn't sleep very much during the afternoon nap. 
And, and so before I started, I was, I was trying to communicate, Lucas, we're going to do this communion thing. It's going to be streamed live, and people are going to be watching us. Can you calm down? And, 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 and he couldn't understand what I was trying to say. I was trying to say, Lucas, calm down. We're going to go online. Daddy's trying to manage this, and calm down. Don't be upset. And he was crying and crying, and, and he got sad, and he couldn't understand what I was saying. And I was sad. I couldn't communicate in a way that he could understand me. And it, it struck me, right? I, like, struck me. And, then, you know, we went live, and then he calmed down immediately. I prayed, and God probably translated my words to him. But then he struck me yesterday that, that, that that's what God is trying to do with us. God is trying to communicate with humans, and, and we don't understand. We, we can't hear him. We, we seem to hear something from him. Like Lucas was hearing my, my voice, but he didn't understand my words. God is trying to speak to us, his children, and he's doing his best to, to communicate to us his son. As I explained, the son is not a sexist thing. It's a privileged status of all humanity as the firstborn, as the privileged chosen one. He's trying to speak to all of us, his son, and he's saying, I love you, and, 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 and we don't understand. But we can, and we will. And this weekend is a part of his communication. In fact, the, the greatest way he's trying to communicate himself was to send Jesus. His life, his death, and his resurrection is God trying to communicate to us that I love you. And I pray the Spirit, God, will help us understand that. I have to close with a benediction. And to pray a prayer of blessing for everyone who's watching, who's tuning into this. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what you're suffering. I don't know how it's like. But God does. Um, God knows. In fact, this week, um, there's a few people who have been suffering. Some have lost their loved ones and, and because of the COVID-19 situation, couldn't even properly send that person away. Some of you have family who are in ICU. You can't even visit, can't even be there beside them. Some of you have family members who are old and alone and uh, not really in touch with technology and you can't even be there to comfort them. I don't know what you're suffering from. I don't know... What's striking you? But I have to pray blessings for you. Shall we pray? Father, I pray for every person and the family represented that's listening in and watching. I pray for your blessing, your abundant blessing to be upon every family that's represented. I don't know what their needs, but you already do, and I know you are already providing. May the Spirit be very close to them and this time and this moment. And as a, a people, may we come together to support one another as we go through these trying times. May we distant but not isolate. May we stay at home but stay connected. Father, we need you more than ever before. 
And this is a time to remind ourselves about our relationship with you. We love you, God. We know that you love us more. And you love all those who are suffering very, very much. So in our helpless state, our humble state, we submit them into your hands. And if you choose to use us to minister to those who are suffering, who are weak, who are in need, tell us how. Teach us how. Strengthen us. Guide us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us this morning, and I hope to see you again very soon.